John Rash and Patricia Lopez from the Star Tribune in the house playing politics, national and local topics. Good to see you folks as always. Patricia, let us start with what took place over the last 48 hours with Lieutenant Colonel Vinman. This is a man who was in the Iraq War for this country. Mm -hmm. This is a man who won a Purple Heart for this country. And what did we hear? Uh, first of all, the president saying he's a never-Trumper. Mm-hmm. Which he equated with human scum. That's You nailed it. I was going right there. I go, that means going to the president, human scum. By the way, I mean, there's zero proof right. of where he stands politically at all. That's right. His credibility in all aspects of life until this came to light has never been questioned. Now all of a sudden, because he left the Ukraine when he's three. Three years old. Uh, we're wondering about his allegiance. We went through the long list yesterday's show of all the people who have served our country who were born elsewhere. By the way, including Mark Meadows, hmm. who, a prominent conservative who's born in France. What does this say again now about anybody who has the audacity, the temerity to just tell the truth? The meat grinder they now have to go through That's when right. there was nothing about their past to say – that they're partisan, and that they're out to get the president. It's witness intimidation, for one thing, just straight up. Um, It's also, you know, once again reinforces this persistent notion that you hear from uh, the president on down that you can't really be an American unless you were born here, right? Only a real American, you know, born in the United States can be trusted. A naturalized citizen, apparently, even one who came here at three, can never hope to be more than someone who came here from another country. Uh, you know, th- that I find reprehensible. Um, the attempt to uh, denigrate uh, both William Taylor, who testified last week. This was the chief of mission um, for our delegation out there, uh, the man who should have been in charge, but found out instead that there was this shadow government rump group yep. that was doing the real policy. Fifty years of government That's work right. for Taylor. Yeah, impeccable. Military work also. As well. Republicans and Democrats. Right. Bronze, again. Um, Bronze Star yep. uh, awardee. Right. Uh, same with Vindman. You know, these yep. are people with impeccable credentials. They are exactly the kind of people you want in government. This is not deep state, however the Trump administration is defining it. These are experienced, tested, committed, patriotic individuals whose first concern unlike those uh, we've seen from the administration, is loyalty to their country and preserving its strategic uh, interests. And that's what motivated Vindman to come forward, was this idea that what he saw going on was possibly compromising his nation's national security interests, and he felt compelled to step forward. We should be saluting that kind of courage, not subjecting him to this sort of public humiliation and baseless um, accusations that he is some kind of a double agent with sympathies to the Ukraine. He was a Soviet Jew. There were few groups that were more impressed in the Soviet Union than Soviet Jewry. Um, I doubt if he has any of that. And, And there's just no reason. It's just a distraction. You know, John, turn that mic just a little. The, the mic turn. There we go. How about now? Huh. That is uh, Dan's going to come and give you. This is the same thing we had last week. There's something about that mic. There. There we go. I was just going to say, yeah, you're right. The microphone's not working there. Yeah. That Patricia's quite right that this is not the deep state. This is a State Department deep, a military deep, a civil service deep with committed Americans who are willing 
to serve the country over a multi-decade span under multiple administrations of both parties, and that these are the type of people that we want to serve our country and to serve in Washington, D.C. And so to refer to people like this as deep state is deeply disturbing to many of them. I'm writing a column about this right now, particularly those who have served in the State Department, because that is actually a term often ascribed to places like Pakistan as an example where you have people in the security services who really are running the country from administration to the others and often insidiously, and that's the opposite of these people who have taken an oath to the Constitution and one only need read the lieutenant colonel's description of his life and his service and how deeply committed he is to it. It's quite inspiring if people take time to read it. And you even had Republicans such as Liz Cheney and others who come out Mm -hmm. and say, you know, we may be in an impeachment inquiry, but this man's character is unimpeachable in terms of what he's done with the country. And one can agree or disagree on the process and the president and his role regarding Ukraine, but we should not be attacking people like the Lieutenant Colonel, like Ambassador Taylor and many others who are heading up to Capitol Hill, as Patricia mentioned, simply to tell the truth. And again, we're hearing all this talk about a coup. This is this is a part of our process. That's right. And that's the pushback all the time from the Trump supporters. So now, Patricia and John, we're going to get a vote. We're going to get that vote tomorrow. I don't think any of us will be surprised when we're going to see it right down party lines and what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, take us through what he thinks is going to happen next in this timeline, because the Democrats have been trying to balance this out. How can we be thorough enough? How can we make the case? But how can we also not uh, let this look like it's dragging on and on and on? And so the president ends up getting more momentum out of what the Democrats are doing. I wouldn't say he's gotten momentum so far. He is he is fighting for his life and, and he knows it. And it shows every day how desperate um, his struggle is. He's, they're reeling like a fish on a hook here. Um, I, I would say what's going to happen next. You know, the old saying in Washington is you don't take the vote unless you've got the votes. And the fact that she is pushing for a vote oh, she's means got she's, got, she's got yeah. it to push through. Uh, the other thing to watch for is that um, uh, the federal lawsuit by Charles Kupperman uh, and by Don McGahn is supposed to be heard by a federal judge that will take a look at the uh, administration's att- attempt to broadly define executive immunity, to take in you know, pretty much anybody the president's ever come in contact with. Employees, former employees, high-level people, comms people, you know, even Corin Lewandowski, who never, ever held a position in the White House or in federal government. Um, I think that is going to be a key part of determining accountability for this president because right now they're trying to shut off all potential means of accountability. The legal political means, which is impeachment, they're calling a coup. Um, they're resisting it as illegal and a witch hunt. They're trying to prevent witnesses from giving the kind of testimony that um, that might lead to an impeachment. And then on the legal side, he's got his lawyer saying that no matter what action the president takes while he's in office, he's got complete immunity until he leaves office. Well, if you put those two things together, you have a president who is completely beyond the reach for any kind of accountability. And we just can't have that as our system. We won't be a democracy at that point. John, when this goes public and when the when the hearings start in the House and Republicans will have their chance, although the way the House wrote the rules, they said, you're going to have your opportunity as long as the White House plays ball. 
as long as the White House provides people and provides documents. Well, the White House won't do that. There's no signs they're going to do this. So if the Democrats stick to this and they're literally telling the Republicans because what the White House has done, it's just going to be our game. Is that is that does that potentially have some chances to hurt them with people are still undecided at this point? Absolutely. The American people expect and deserve a fair process here. And once this does go public and there are public hearings, they're going to anticipate that the Republicans are going to ask questions and be allowed to do so. Now, of course, that can backfire on the questioners, as it has in some previous hearings, sure. where they come across as too aggressive or too off topic or spin their own conspiracy theories. And that's a risk for the Republicans if they do that. But if it appears that the Democrats are thwarting the Republicans' right to question or bring a legitimate, and I think that's an important term to remember here, witness forward, it can indeed backfire on the Democrats. Because right now the strategy is the Democrats want to make this about the president. The Republicans want to make this about the process. And to the degree that the Democrats can convince the American people that the process is fair and is within the boundaries of an impeachment inquiry and then make it about the president's behavior regarding Ukraine and any other extraneous issues that are involved with this issue, I think that that will then concentrate the minds of the voters and let them decide if they think what happened was proper or not. Let me get to uh, the death of al-Baghdadi and your comments Mm. on that. Um, I thought Tom Friedman wrote a great column the other day about this where he said, look at what happened here. Some of the folks that the president diminishes all the time, intelligence, our reliance on other individuals to help us out, mm-hmm. pulling our troops out of Syria, mm-hmm. uh, not relying on the Kurds. All of those groups played such a huge part in the death of this despicable individual. You know, it was it was brilliant work by our folks, too. Mm-hmm. But some of those same intelligence people, those are the same intelligence people who said, Russia was trying for Donald Trump to win in 2016. So you can't say to both you guys, you can't say, you know what? Man, the intelligence is great when it works out well and I look even better. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When it doesn't, deep state, never Trumpers can't trust. Them. Well, it, it shows the shallowness of that kind of approach. And, and I would say that, you know, that that whole incident shows the commitment uh, of the caliber of individuals that we have you know, not only working for us, but working with us. Yes. They, uh, you know, they obviously are committed to principles that go far beyond, um, you know, whatever uh, Donald Trump is expressing. Uh, this has been a longtime goal of theirs and uh, that the Kurds continue to work on this, that our intelligence um, folks continue to work on this, despite being thrown this huge, um, you know, obstacle of the president suddenly pulling out. They managed to pull this off in spite of that, yep. not because of it. And, um, you know, it shows that at some point we'll be able to come back, hopefully, and pull all the pieces back together. But um, the way he celebrated this, I, I think, did even more damage um, because you have lasting relationships that you have to have in this. And how do the intelligence people now go back to the Kurds who supplied all this critical information and say, well, we're, we're going to protect the oil fields, but we're not going to protect you. Well, and on the oil fields, John, I still don't quite get that because those oil fields are in Syria. Right. And They're the not ours. <laughs> yeah, and the president's talking about how we can make money on it. Just chime in on that, too. And, and another item that came out in the last 24 hours, how Mick Mulvaney, who was the chief of staff. Yeah, who? 
who <laughs> found out about this when the president tweeted about it. Yeah. This isn't like somebody way, way. This is supposed to be the president's right-hand man. And he found out the same way the three of us did. Unthinkable. And as we look back at the parallel situation when the White House under President Obama was successful in the hunt for Osama bin Laden, and you look at the two pictures, you indeed see President Obama's chief of staff, Dennis McDonough, right next to him, literally in a situation room. Mm -hmm. And McMulvaney was not in the situation at all, even virtually, until he heard about it the way that most of us heard about it as well. And I think that shows his standing and Part of that is related to perhaps some of the comments that he made that he tried desperately to walk back regarding the Ukraine Ukraine quid pro quo, the now infamous get over it line that he had when he had a White House press briefing here. And back to the Syrian situation real quick, in terms of President President Trump's desire, which is shared by many people in America, to reduce our military footprint in the Mideast. Mm -hmm. The way to do that, nearly every military expert whom we have talked, spoken to through the editorial board, is with these deep alliances on the ground. And in fact, up until the abandonment, the betrayal of the Syrian Kurds, that was the type of model where we had relatively few U.S. troops on the ground and a robust, fierce force fighting alongside us in the fight against ISIS in Syria. And the Kurds allied themselves very, very closely with us. So in this particular situation or in the next morphing of terrorist groups, and you think about the last generation from al-Qaeda to al-Shabaab to the Taliban to ISIS to different groups that continue to emerge, we need these indigenous forces to fight with us and most profoundly to trust us. And this is not a good signal going forward and might mean we actually mean need more troops on the ground in some of these situations. Right, yeah, me, it it let, has to be let, said, though, that, that Trump's intention is not to lessen our footprint. All he's done is redirect our troops. Yeah, towards Saudi yeah. Arabia. Let me just jump in here, too, because we've got to uh, get to two other topics when we come back. But I want to tell you about uh, KNS Heating Air. We'll be right back with uh, Patricia and John in moments. Uh, yeah, when it's 31 degrees, guess what? Your furnace is on. When it's 22 tonight, your furnace is on. You don't want to have any questions about your furnace. I don't. Because for seven years now, I've worked with K&S Heating and Air. You can call them at any point, 952-697-4328. Or you can check them out online, ksheating.com. Have them out for a fall furnace tune-up. Get a hold of them either way. They'll come out with a free estimate. If it turns out it's for the fall furnace tune-up, you'll pay a nominal cost and you'll be set. And also you'll know no carbon monoxide leaks. And if for any reason you need to replace your furnace, what a deal right now. A 95% Lennox-efficient furnace for less than $3,000 that's installed, wired, permits done. This is not a new company. It's a family-owned company for 30-some years. I've used them. Thousands of us are repeat customers. Track them down today, ksheating.com. All right, let's get uh, local and let's start with Representative Omar. I'm going to read right from the Tribune today. Members of the Twin Cities Armenian community. Criticized Representative Omar on Tuesday for not supporting a measure that recognizes the century-old mass killing of Armenians by Ottoman Turks as a genocide. In a statement, Omar said she believes accountability for human rights violations, especially ethnic cleansing and genocide, is paramount. But accountability and recognition of genocide should not be used as a cudgel in a political fight. She said uh, this should include slave trading and the killing of Native Americans during the colonization that needs to be acknowledged. I don't think any, this is my view, I don't think anybody is denying 
that that also is very true. But does that mean you have to vote present as opposed to also voting on this one? To me, this is just such a layup Mm -hmm. to just do this. This is, to me, just to agitate when it's unnecessary. That's right. Well, I mean, and that is... That is kind of what she does, isn't it? And here I have to add our standard disclaimer that we did not endorse her uh, in her run for office, and we have found her to be less than forthcoming on a number of occasions, this uh, being one of them. A statement? Really? I mean, this is where you ought to stand for questions and explain to your voters. No, you don't. But, you know, the same way we call for accountability from Republicans, it applies to the other side as well. And she ought to be able to stand for questions and explain her reasoning. And why is it that in this one instance, if you can't do everything, it means you can't do anything. That's just kind of absurd. Nothing would ever get done that way. Correct. I I agree 100 percent. John, I use the example, too, because I, I co-moderated the debate with her and her opponents. And and we're going back and we're trying to explain just the rules. And, and she is paying no attention. Her and her, her, her members or campaign are talking to the point where I forget if it's Margaret Anderson Keller or somebody else has said, Ilhan, can we just can we just listen? And it was just so dismissive. And I know you guys are trying to get a hold of her. So have other outlets. And this is a part of your job mm-hmm. it, it, on, on so many of these issues. And she gets so indignant. When people try to ask her questions, that is a part of the job, especially in something like this, which seems so easy to vote yes on. A Washington-based national reporter approached her in Congress today to ask her about this vote and said, may I ask you about this vote regarding Armenia? And she said, you may not, in an imperious fashion that does not befit the 5th District or the state of Minnesota or a member of Congress here. and. She may be able to get away with it, but I think that to the degree that, you know, she continues to stand out for these types of reasons, she falls into President Trump's strategy of trying to define the party by her and Representative um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and part of the so-called squad in terms of defining the party. And that might become amplified as she appears on stage in a prominent way with Senator Sanders when Bernie Sanders comes to town here in a rally that's just been moved to a bigger arena over at the University of Minnesota campus. And, you know, she, of course, is an early backer along with AOC of Bernie, of Senator Sanders. But I think that, you know, that might help him with some constituencies within the Democratic Party. If he ever becomes the nominee, it certainly is going to be something that they will clearly try to weigh him down with and Polls would indicate that that might be a successful Republican strategy. This is a good example of warning signs that you see uh, about candidates and lawmakers that apply no matter what pro- their political persuasion is. Uh, you know, what are the warning signs? It's the people who think the rules don't apply to them. Yep. It's the ones who put themselves above the process. It's the ones who, as soon as they get into office, put themselves out of reach of the voters who resist accountability. Um, you know, these are things that these are things to look for. And she does this stuff all, all the time. time. That's all right. The time. Let me just let me get in here because we have about 90 seconds left. John, you first. Again, your headline in the paper, Auditor Upbraids the DHS. How much is this on the Walls administration versus the system that they've inherited? Regardless of how much, how it exactly falls out as to who is responsible, it's under the tenure of the Walls administration. So they have to deal with it politically, but more profoundly and importantly for the people of Minnesota, they have to deal with it from a governmental perspective. And, you know, I think that we can all tip our hat to Jim Nobles and the tremendous work that he and his colleagues do at the 
Office of Legislative Auditor in terms of trying to keep government running as well as it can here. And this is really a big problem that Governor Walls, I clearly sense, knows he's got to get to the bottom of. It's no, go ahead. we got about one minute. I, so I go was going to say yeah. it's it's too longstanding of a problem, uh, as we have seen from the reports that have come out. To to solely put it in in the walls um, in the walls administration, but John's right; he's the one who's got to deal with yeah. it. However, in doing so, I you know I think we need to resist the urge to say, "Oh, let's not point fingers." Like, no, no, no. Somebody yes. needs to get to the bottom Correct. of this because some of these procedures were incredibly basic. Not you know having a yeah. decision making chain of command where you knew who made what decision when is just is not tenable. It's incompetent. It's incompetent. Yeah. And, and to just say, "Hey, it's too big. I want you to investigate." You need to be investigating, making changes yourself. That's right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, John Rash and Patricia Lopez from the uh, Star Tribune. They always join us right around one thirty-five to cover national and local topics.